Welcome to the Friends of a Feather podcast, a place where you will feel encouraged by hearing God's stories from my friends that I share with you. Whether you're listening on your commute to work, folding the laundry, or needing a boost of encouragement after a full day, I want for you to feel seen by God, to be encouraged in your daily life, and be spurred on to honor Him with the gifts and talents that He has given you. Last week, I shared a conversation that I had with Glenna Marshall as she shared her God story with us. She shared how God has taught her how to study His Word, asking one specific question, how she dealt with adoptive mama guilt, her family's recent church merge, and she shares steps we can take to be more racially unified in our communities and churches. I encourage you to listen to that conversation one episode back, number 122. Today's episode is with my friend Dondra Fight. You may remember Dondra from episodes 43 and 44 of her story of infertility and adoption. Now is part three, and it will knock your socks off. You don't want to miss it. We talk about how nothing is impossible with God. We talk about her modern day miracle and how we can prioritize silence in our lives. Yes, yes, and yes. After listening, remember you can always find the show notes at renrobbins.com slash podcast for the Eat, Read, Love links and quotes that Dondra shares on this episode. All right, let's get to it. Here's my conversation with my friend Dondra. Well, hey, Dondra, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Brian. It's my friend in real life. Even though we are on our computers and phones, we are friends in real life. So welcome back to the podcast. Yes, I'm so excited to be here. No, it has been a while since we chatted for the podcast. You were, um, you had actually two parts. There was a two-part episode. (laughs) I'm a little wordy, apparently. <laughs> no, there was just a lot to share. Um, yes. So we we talked uh, part one and part two about your journey of infertility, of walking through a miscarriage, of uh, having uh, uh, your daughter, and then how God put it in your heart and your husband's heart to adopt, and about the adoption and all the neat things. So this is going to be part three because this is the next part of your story. (laughs) This is the plot twist that we weren't expecting part three. (laughs) So this is exciting because um, you posted on Facebook a, a picture of your sweet Madeline was how old was she at the time when you at the posted time, that time, um, she was 19. Okay. So she was 19 yeah. and then Ellington was three. She was two. So Ellington when we was, post, yeah, when we posted the picture, okay. they were 19 and two. Okay, so your girls were 19 and 2, and then you post the picture, and they're holding a sign that says what? I mean, just craziness. 
they're holding a picture of an ultrasound and a pregnancy test. Uh, and Ellington's wearing a dress that says big sister on it. Yes. And we all, I would say, the people that are friends with you on Facebook saw it and <gasps> gasped with so much joy in our heart. And shock. <laughs> Everyone was shocked. Um, yes, including us. We were still pretty shocked at that point. But yes, everybody was so sweet and so overly excited for us. Just knowing our history and our story and um, the fact that this was not supposed to be medically possible. Um, that after, after, I mean, how many years, 15 years of unexplained secondary infertility and after an adoption, the Lord decided to reopen my womb. And that is never truer words have been spoken because you talk about that medical procedure. I don't know if you want to say this. Do you want to no. say this? Okay. Yeah, here, okay. Sure. So there was a medical procedure you had done after you had uh, Madeline, but it was after that. It was after the miscarriage and yes. it was, and your doctor looked at you and said, okay, Dondra, once we do this, it is like, it is really permanent and right. you will not be able to have children. So are you sure that y'all are finished, you know, trying to have a baby and tell us a little bit about that procedure, what it is and what you remember from what the doctor was telling you? Yes. So I have had lots of like hormone imbalances and lots of just female issues through the years of infertility. And so, um, not to get too graphic and personal, but I was having some unexplained bleeding all the time. And she thought it was coming from my cervix. And so um, I have a very, what she calls a friable cervix, meaning it's very vascular and tends to bleed very easy. And so it was just very frustrating. And so we didn't quite know what to do about it. And she said, well, the only thing I really know to do is there's a procedure where we go in and freeze your cervix. And basically it builds up a bunch of scar tissue and kind of closes off the cervix and it will help it not bleed like that. And so um, I actually had it done twice. I had it done once and it worked. And then a couple years later, I had it done again um, because I think the scar tissue kind of sloughed off. And so we needed to redo it and it worked. And, um, so anyway, but after that first time she sat me down and she's been my doctor since I had Madeline and she sat me down and said, you know, are you 100% sure that you never want to try for another biological child? And I'm like, we are so good. We feel at peace Our missing peace with Ellington two sweet girls. We are just content as content can be. Got a piece in my heart. She was our missing piece. We're good. No, I've, I've got no desire for more children. I'm good. And so we had that done. We had it done twice. And she said, okay, you know, just, just so you know, it is going to be near impossible after the scar tissue for you to be able to conceive and carry a child. And I said, that is, that's fine with me. I'm, I'm good with that. And how many years ago was that? How old was Ellington? Um, let's see. Ellington was probably one. 
Okay. So it had been a year to a year and a half since I'd had it done for the second time. Okay. The first time okay. was before Ellington. The second time was after Ellington. When you found out that you were pregnant with number three, the pregnancy that medically, as your doctor had said, would be near to impossible to have. Uh, how did you find out you were pregnant with Conley? Well, and then also just to go back a little bit, besides the fact of having the medical procedures done, you know, we had been through years and years of infertility treatment. We had done everything except for IVF. That's the only thing we never tried um, to have a second child. And so we just felt like we kind of had our own built-in birth control anyway. So we felt a little bit infertile mm -hmm. medically anyway, right? even though they could never quite pinpoint one thing. There was just a bunch of little things that added up. Um, and then once the medical procedure, so I kind of thought we double yeah. whammy really could not have any more children. Yeah. So um, it was July 2nd. And I was probably close to about a week late, which is not uncommon for me, but I was just feeling really weird and off. And, you know, after going through a bunch of health issues all of my life, I kind of can sense when something's not right. And so I was like, you know what? I was like, I bet I'm going to start menopause early because the doctors had told me that because of just some of the numbers of some of my hormones and stuff that it's possible I could go into menopause early. So I thought, you know what? I bet I'm starting menopause. I bet that's what this is. <laughs> and so I was like, that's just crazy. And there was that, that little thing of like, if I didn't know better. I would think I was pregnant. Like I just, I just feel weird, but I mean, you know, that, that's gotta be menopause. Mm. So because I know my doctor's office so well, I'm like, I know when I call them to come in, they're going to say, you know, you're only 39. So have you taken a pregnancy test just to be sure before we get you an appointment to come in? I know that's going to, they're going to want me to do that before they put me on the schedule. And so I dropped Ellington at school and I thought, you know, I'll just run by Walgreens while I'm home by myself and just take the test before I call so that I don't have to call back again. So Rainbow Walgreens got a test looking around making sure nobody's going to see me in there. Cause I'm thinking they're going to think I'm insane. Why is this infertile girl buying a pregnancy test? <laughs> and so I come home and I started getting nervous and I was like, why am I nervous? I mean, there's, I mean, it's going to be negative, you know, I haven't seen a positive pregnancy test since 19. Well, I guess I did see two positive pregnancy tests after Madeline, but it had been a long time. Mm -hmm. And so I came in and I thought, okay, well, I'm going to do some cleaning. And at 10 o'clock, I'm going to go take it. So I was drinking water and cleaning and just keeping myself busy and ran in there, took the test. And before I could set it down, two lines popped up. Mm. And I threw that thing across the bathroom like it was on fire. <laughs> I don't know why. I just like, just chunked it. Like, what? And I mean, my heart started racing. My hands were shaking. And I thought, you know, maybe pregnancy tests have changed over the years. Maybe two lines doesn't mean pregnant. Let me get the box back out. So I got the box, went and found the test that I'd thrown across the bathroom. And I remember just sitting there staring at the box that says, you know, two lines pregnant, the test is obviously two lines. 
and ran. I wish somebody could have been filming me. Mm. I started pacing through this house <laughs> here by myself around my kitchen island. Like I was making just, I mean, I don't know, just circles upon circles upon circles. <laughs> just like, Lord, there's no way. Like something's got to be wrong. There's no way I'm pregnant. There's no, absolutely no way. I'm going to be 40 next month. Mm. I have a 19 year old and a two year old. There's no way I'm pregnant. That, that can't be right. Mm. But because of my blood clotting disorder, my hematologist had always told me if there's any chance you ever get pregnant again, you need to call me as soon as possible because mm. it could be detrimental to your health and uh. we'll have to put you on some blood thinners and so he's such a sweet, sweet man that he gave me a cell number. So I texted him mm. and I was like, I'm about to call my doctor. I'm like, I, I just, I don't think that's right, but I just wanted to give you a heads up. You know, what do I need to know before I go to the doctor just in case it's right. And, um, then I called my doctor's office. I'm sure she thought I was insane. <laughs> my voice was shaking and they know me. And I was like, um, I, I don't even know what to say to you. I'm like, but I just, I'm a little late and I think I'm going through menopause early, but the pregnancy test just said positive And I know that can't be right. So can you get a negative pregnancy test? And she's like, when did you take it? And I told her and she's like, how soon can you be here? And she said, it's very unlikely. It is extremely unlikely that that's correct. She said that tests are so accurate these days. And she said, hold on a minute. Let me go get Dr. Miller. And she came back. She goes, yeah, she wants you to come pronto. I said, I can, I can be there in two hours. So at this point, I still had not even told Eric. I was still just in panic mode. Cause I'm thinking he's at work. I can't just like show up at his work and be mm -hmm. like, you're not going to believe this. I can't ask him to come home. So I did what any wife would do and send a text. <laughs> just said, not that I was pregnant. I just sent a text and just said, you know, hey, honey, you want to meet for lunch while Ellington's at school, which we did often. So it wasn't too weird, but I thought I can't wait till the end of the day to tell him this. Mm -hmm. Like he might need to go to the doctor with me. Like, I don't know what's happening. It just can't be right, but he needs to know something. <clears throat> so we met for lunch at Jason's Deli and I couldn't even speak. I just held the test up and like, I couldn't even get out of the car. And I'm, I'm very, I never, ever have no words. I had no words. Like I really could not speak. I was literally in shock. Um, because I think deep down I knew, like I knew that I was, but I, my brain couldn't comprehend that I really was. It was, it was a weird, weird thing. And, um, he, he, he said, whose test is that? <laughs> and um, I just like was just staring and he's like, is that yours? Are you, are you pregnant? And he like jerked me out of the car and gave me a hug. And I was like, there's no way this can be right. I don't know what's happening. I'm going to the doctor in an hour. I just don't know. And so anyway, that's kind of how July 2nd went down. And, and the doctor, they did a blood test and it came back indeed positive. Well, yeah, pregnant. I went to the doctor and he was so sweet and he's like, well, let me go with you. I'm like, no, you've already been shocked enough today. Go back to work. I was like, they're just going to do a urine test Routine. and take some blood. You know, I was like, I don't even know that I'll get blood results today. Um, 
I'm like, so, you know, it's fine. I was like, I, I, I probably just need to go and process this by myself. You're going to work. I'll call you as soon as I'm done and let you know what they say. So I got there and Dr. Miller came out and she's like, okay, we're going to do a urine test. She's like, we're going to draw blood. She's like, and from that blood, I'm going to take a drop and do a quick blood test in office. She said, because I've got to see this myself. Wow. Um, she said, and then the blood will give us some quantitative numbers that will give us a better indicator if this is for real and if it's looking like a healthy pregnancy. And so came out and she said, urine test is positive. I was like, oh, well, mine was too, but that can't be right. And she's yeah. like, yeah, she said, well, let, let's do blood. Blood is a, yeah. a better picture. And so I remember she dropped the blood and her and three of her nurses were standing over it and they were checking my blood pressure and they just were standing there just staring at it. I think waiting to see what happens. And while the lady's checking my blood pressure, I see Dr. Miller over there getting like a plastic baggie and putting these two tests in it. And she walks over and handed it to me. And she said, honey, you are not in menopause. You were pregnant. Take these tests home to your husband and show them how positive they are. And she said, I'll call you tomorrow with these numbers and we'll go from there. And I was like, wow. And she even said, she said, I can't, I can't explain this to you. We're going to take this one day at a time. And I said, okay, because, you know, she knows my history. She knows right. how we lost the other two babies, um, which were due to my blood clotting disorder. And so, um, you know, I don't think anybody really expected the pregnancy to be able to proceed like it did. So you're hearing all this and you're walking through all of this and what has been the, I know God has taught you so much through this and I know how oh, yeah. he's been making himself known to y'all through this, but what, what has been something about the Lord that he has just gently taught you through this? Something that I really thought that I learned through the adoption journey was how much he is in control of every detail of our lives. Um, I thought I learned that through adoption. I now say, obviously I didn't. He wanted to remind me one more time who was in control and that it was not me. I never even had a desire for three children. I just always wanted two, two, two kids, you know, family of four, good to go. Um, and just knowing the details that he had to orchestrate to make the fact of me even being pregnant possible was just more than my mind can even comprehend. You know, I just think we get so busy sometimes in just the everyday worries of life and caught up in what we can control and what we can plan and what we can orchestrate. And he loves to show up and remind us that he's in control and he is involved in every little detail of everything that even seems meaningless to us, he has meaning behind it. And, um, you know, and I just, it was, I don't, I mean, it was just one of those things. And I truly, truly, truly believe I wasn't infertile. He closed my womb to lead us to Ellington mm. because adoption would not have been on the plate for us if it wasn't for the infertility. Um, so I guess, yes, I was infertile, but I believe it was a God ordained infertility that led us to adoption that led us to Ellington. 
And then just to show his power, he reopened my womb Mm. to say, you still could have had children, but I was bringing your second child a different way. And, um, and we still laugh and say that God sent Conley for Ellington. She was made to be a big sister. Um, Watching them so far together has just been the absolute sweetest thing in the entire world. Um, You know, because Madeline was an only child for 17 years. So I never got to see children growing up together. And um, my brother and I were seven years apart. So I didn't get to experience that. Um, Very often we were kind of, we always say we were two only children. But, um, you know, I just, like this story wasn't just about fulfilling a desire of my heart. Um, I always wanted to be able to carry another child, just the miracle of pregnancy. I feel like that is a desire a lot of women have. That was a struggle that I had to get over during the adoption process. Um, You know, when my husband asked me, do you want a baby or do you want to be pregnant? And um, it was a little of both. I wanted to be pregnant again during that. I wanted to experience the miracle of childbirth. And so I had to grieve that before I could really embrace the adoption journey that, you know, our baby was going to come through another woman and that that was a miracle in itself. It didn't have to be me carrying it. And um, then looking back to see that even though I was so content and I really did not have that desire anymore, the blessing it has been in my life to carry a child again, um, you know, just the miracle of that, has just been so awakening in today's world of busyness and it's slowed me down in my tracks and um, helped me kind of reprioritize just some things to where I'm not missing out on life. I feel like we miss out on God so often um, just in the busyness of life. And this was just a reminder that he's still in the miracle business. He's doing miracles before us all the time. And this one was hard to miss because it was a human growing inside of me, but you know, um, there's daily miracles he's still doing. And it was just a reminder to slow down and, and watch for him that he's still, still the way maker and miracle worker. Hmm. So what would you say to a woman who maybe is walking through infertility, but or maybe she's walking in through just life didn't turn out the way she expected. Maybe life is looking differently for her. Maybe she's single and she desires to be married. Maybe she is a wife and desires to be a mother. Um, Maybe it's something totally different that her life was just a little bit different. What would you say to her to encourage her? First of all, I would tell her to feel what she feels and to not suppress it or not, not to allow herself to dismiss those true feelings because, well, she should be grateful. She's healthy or, you know, she has a wonderful husband or, you know, she has a wonderful life. She's got a great career. I feel like a lot of times, even in the Christian world, we dismiss people's emotions and feelings instead of allowing them to kind of feel those. And I feel like a lot of times we busy ourselves with things. So we don't feel those things. And I, I feel like to be able to process and to be able to move forward on whatever journey it is, Lord has you on, you've got to sit in that a little bit and feel it, but you can't stay there. And, you know, 
the scripture of, you know, the Lord giving us more than we could ask or imagine. I'm living that. And if you would have asked me 17 years ago, would I be sitting here at 41 years old with a 21 year old, a four year old and a one year old, I would have told you you were crazy. And the Lord does have a plan. Even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it, he is working. Um, so I would just encourage them to, to pray, to give God those emotions. He knows you're feeling it anyway, to lay those at the cross, to um, find someone you can open up and talk to and just be real and transparent. And then keep your eyes fixed on him because he is not going to leave you or forsake you. Um, he has a plan and a purpose. And I've always said um, he doesn't allow pain without a purpose. And I feel like the pain I felt through infertility and then just the whole journey of adoption changed me in ways I needed um, that nothing else could have. And the Lord knew that. The Lord knew who I needed to be at 41 to handle a college kid in nursing school, a toddler that we're learning, you know, to feel our emotions, but not react to them so often. And a one-year-old, we're just, you know, working on not throwing our food off of the tray and learning to walk. You know, he knew who I needed to be. Um, and our marriage has grown and communication and, you know, it, it's a busy life. It is nothing like what I imagined it would be. And standing on this side, looking back, he was working the whole time. I felt like I was in the desert because my prayers weren't being answered like I thought and when I wanted. Um, and now, you know, he just, he is so sweet and he is so good and he is so faithful that he hears the desires of our heart. Not only does he hear them, I feel like he places the desires in our hearts. Um, that was something I prayed for years and years for him to just remove the desire to have more children if it wasn't meant to be. Um, and there was that 15 year desert of, you know, two miscarriages, a failed adoption. I thought I was hearing him wrong. Like I, you put this desire here. I begged you to take it away. You haven't taken it away. What are you planning? And he was planning two more little girls and, I just kind of had to sit and wait and, um, and then here we are blessed beyond measure. Mm. Well, it has been an absolute joy and I can speak to all of your friends to see <laughs> this and to be shocked by it at first, but to see it, but then to say, how great is our God oh, you know, yeah. to do it in his own timing and his perfect way. Um, and how content we'd seen you become with Ellington and with Madeline and saying, this is mm -hmm. what God has wanted for us. Mm -hmm. um, but him to totally come in and blow your socks off and blow our yeah. socks off to see him at work. So it has been cool. the, a pleasure to watch. It really well, has. And I feel like because he is God, he waited until there could be no other explanation but him. I mean, mm -hmm. and just to kind of further the story, since we've been so personal, we'll just go ahead and just continue with that. <laughs> um, my doctor, thankfully, is a believer. And I can, every time I saw her, she's like, I still cannot believe 
you're pregnant. And she said, I cannot tell you how many people I've told your story to. And she said, I just, I'm telling them we're just a part of this miracle work. I'm just a piece. Mm. And so when it came time for me to deliver, my cervix wasn't opening. And she was like, you know, let me see what's going on. And she just shook her head. And she said, Dondra, she said, your cervix is scar tissue closed. She said, I have no idea. She said, never mind, I do. But she said, I'm telling you, the only way this baby is in your womb is because God put it there. Mm. There's nothing getting through this cervix for you to be able to conceive. And so they had to pretty much cut open my cervix for me to even try to dilate, um, which I wow. did, but then had emergency C-section. That's it. That's another story. But um, wow, you know, it just, so her being my doctor for so many years, knowing the history, doing the procedures herself. I mean, wow. knowing the science, she still, even at my six week checkup, she's like, I still cannot believe you really had a baby. I'm like, me either. And I still, I mean, we'll be sitting on the couch and I look at Eric and I'm like, we had another baby. Like that came out of me. How did this even happen? Here we are with these three precious girls. Mm. And, mm. you know, and I just, and I hope one day, um, I hope one day this story speaks to Ellington's heart, you know, that I feel like God, God closed my womb for her. And then just as a sweet little bonus, kind of like he loves her so much. Here's a little sister for you to grow up with, to have a constant best friend, to have someone to look out for you. Um, I'm already praying about their relationship. You know, that Conley is very protective of Ellington and her story for a bond to be there. Um, you know, as Ellington processes her story, I mean, she's, she's going to have a lot to process, you know, being the only adopted child and three girls, that's, there's got, she's got a lot of questions. And so I'm already praying that her and Conley just have this special bond that, um, is just sweet that they can lean on each other and talk to each other and be each other's best friend. And, biggest advocate, biggest protector and, um, you know, pull hair and play Barbies and share clothes and fight over boys and all the sweet stuff that sisters get to do. And so, um, so we say all the time, you know, y'all are each other's gift from God. So besides being our gifts, they're gifts to each other. And it just, I will tell you it experience. I feel so unworthy to have experienced that miracle myself. Like, I just, you see me, I'm speechless. I just cannot, (laughs) I'm speechless. A year later, she just just turned a year old last weekend and I still, I'm just like, Lord, I still, I just cannot, I cannot believe it, Hmm. you know? To see a modern day miracle like that and to be raising her and what do you have planned for her life and what a gift she is. And, you know, just. It's totally a God thing. I mean, that's, that's when you say it's a God thing. Yes. You can't explain it. Yes. And nothing is impossible with the Lord. Nothing. So whatever it is that your viewers are waiting on, um, whether they're praying for the salvation of a spouse, you know, prodigal children, um, their own medical issue, cancer, um, you know, depression, anxiety, anything, 
you know, um, nothing, nothing is impossible with the Lord. Nothing. So I just say, keep praying, keep pushing on, keep your eyes fixed on him. Enjoy the journey along the way and trust that he will do whatever is meant to be whenever he wants to, even if you're turning 40 and you have another baby, you know, it, it. it just, it is, um, it's amazing. He's a, he's a great God and a sweet, sweet, good father. And he wants good for all of our lives and he knows what's best and he will do what's best. And, um, we just have to keep our eyes fixed on him in a busy world. And that's hard. Mm. It's very hard. We have to be intentional or it's not going to happen. Well, you just tied this whole episode up in a bow girl. (laughs) I love it. Great. (laughs) So good. So good. Okay. So Seriously, I mean, we're we wrapped it up, girl. I love it. Let me ask you the three fun questions. You ready? What are you eating? What are you reading? What are you loving? Okay, well, first is reading. Okay, and I will tell you if you do not have this book, okay, you need to go get it today. Okay, it's called Rhythms of Renewal by Rebecca Lyons. Yes, I've heard about it. It is trading stress and anxiety for a life of peace and purpose. Mm. And it is mind blowing. I've been reading this book since the beginning of January. I've been doing an online Bible study that goes along with it. And I've probably started the book over three times. Like I can't get through the first half because it, there's so much truth and so much that this generation needs to hear. I need to hear, um, it's getting ourselves back into the rhythms that the Lord set for us um, at the beginning to have inward rhythms of rest and restoration so that we can have output rhythms of um, connectivity and creating um, and just how, because of the world like it is today, it's those rhythms are out of whack that the Lord put in place and that we have to be intentional to get those back and it mm. takes work. And so that is, um, that's my word is rest this year. You know, I do a word. Mm-hmm. My, my word was rest, um, mm. this year. And so it's, and it's more than like resting, laying on the couch. It's yeah. more rest, resting my soul, um, mm. in him and who he is and who he says I am. And so when this book came about, it just kind of fell right along with my word and Absolutely. it is powerful, okay. powerful. All I right, believe I'll, everyone needs to read it. I'll get it. I'll get it. I've seen it, but hearing you talk about it makes me mm, girl it is even good more. stuff okay yeah i'll get it i'll write it in the show notes too all right yeah. what are you eating that you love what snack you know i just i'm a potato chip girl you know i like salty mm-hmm. yes um ma'am. and so i just got these potato chips at trader joe's the other day okay they're called i think they're called dark russet okay. potato chips and it's it's basically, they sell like if you like um, really done French fries. Okay. That's what they are. That they're kettle cooked in a way that Yum. they're not burned, but they kind of look burned. Okay. But they just have a very deep flavor to them. And my husband and I went through the bag in like two days. <laughs> so it's just one of those, like, if you just need like a little crunchy, salty snack, just be able to grab a handful. Okay. I like it. So that is, um, that's my latest little. That's your unhappy. snack. 
snack. Yes. That's okay. I love Trader Joe's, so I'll go grab those. Yes. All right. Yeah. What are you loving? Silence. Mm -hmm. I'm working on silence right now. And so um, I am loving sitting outside when the girls are napping and just listening to the birds and watching the clouds pass and learning to just be still and be quiet. Um, that's a big conviction of mine right now. I just feel like there's so much noise. There's background noise all the time and scrolling and, you know, little kiddos talking all the time and, um, you know, the dishwasher going. And I mean, I just believe in a world that's gone crazy. We need some silence and to be able to hear God's voice. And so silence is my new thing and I'm, I'm striving for it and I'm trying to get outside to hear the sounds of nature. Um, so that's kind of, that's where I'm at. I'm just working, driving without the radio on when the kids aren't in the car, mm. just trying to be intentional and find some ways to create silence. Um, because I know God does a work there when we get still and quiet before him. So that's kind of where I'm at. Well, this conversation has been a deep breath of fresh air for me. So Aww. thank you for coming on the podcast for part Aww. three. Thank you for sharing <laughs> part three. You know, the Lord is, um, I say he has to have a sense of humor because <laughs> if anybody knew me and like you do and knows the journey of our life, it is like, you really can't do anything but laugh. Like it just is, it's just amazing. Um, so who knows what part four and four, <laughs> part five will be. Um, never say never is all I'm saying. So who knows go. what is to come next in our journey, but we are enjoying today and um, just waiting to see what he has, what he has next in our lives. Love it. Well, I love you, friend. This is I love you. so refreshing and I'm excited and proud to be your friend. Oh, um, you're precious to me. Thank you for what you're doing for everybody out there and for sharing these God stories. The world needs them. We all need them. Yep, we do. Thanks, girl. Thank you. I'll see you later. Y'all, I'm thinking back to when Dondra and I were in the classroom teaching together. She was my therapy, y'all. <laughs> she has so much wisdom and is so grounded in the Lord. I just started thinking about that when I was editing this episode. But as I said at the end of our conversation, Dondra was is just so encouraging and so refreshing to my soul. So if you liked what you heard, I would love to ask you a favor. Would you screenshot your screen right now on your podcast app, post it in your Insta stories, and tag me. I really love seeing what conversations resonate with you, and I would love that. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode. Remember, we're all friends of a feather, so let's stick together. Have a great week, and I'll see you next time. Bye, friend. Bye.